Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am just nothing short of honored to be joined today by my incredible guest, MBCLA's Michael J. Duarte. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tracy, for having me and um, for saying that you're honored. But, you know, I'm like, uh, every time I get invited to do these shows, Tracy, I'm like an MX black card. I never decline. So the honor is mine. (laughs) That's a really, that's a great line. Um, and also, though, that kind of makes me feel a little less special, like you would have just said yes to anybody and come on anybody's show. But no, no, okay. it's not quite like that. But the honor is mine, not yours. That's what I'm well, going to say. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, but so I will guys- say for your listeners, <laughs> Tracy made me wake up at an ungodly hour at 6.30 in the morning, Hawaii time. So I'm a little... Uh, I'm a little tired uh, as we do this show. So if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize for the bags under my eyes. And anything else? Yeah, guys, just so you know, I'm it's 10.30 a.m. Specific time. Not, <laughs> not in Hawaii, though. Not in Hawaii. No, anyway, you, but are you let's in Hawaii? Move forward. Let's move forward <laughs> with this four-course meal that is the Tracy's. Okay, so show. today is going to be all Dodgers, as it often is on Fridays when it's not football season. Um, It's going to be all Dodgers. They've had a little bit of an up-and-down couple weeks. Granted, they swept the Arizona Diamondbacks. I almost said they swept the Arizona Cardinals this week, which, by the way, would have been newsworthy. But they They swept the Arizona Diamondbacks this week, despite some issues on the pitching staff, despite some defensive blunders, which has been a bit of a problem over the last week or so, granted, the Arizona Diamondbacks are not a very good baseball team, and I apologize to Diamondbacks fans everywhere, uh, but still important that they won those games. They are headed to Philadelphia. They really struggled against the Phillies last weekend, so they get another chance this week. So there's a lot to dissect. I also warned Michael that on Fridays we do Cody Corner, so to get excited because that is the best part of everybody's week, obviously. But first, we're going to talk – let's talk defense – because I feel like the defensive blunders have been, um, there have been a plethora of them. And that isn't something that we've necessarily seen from this Dodgers team over the last several years. What do you attribute this to, my good friend, Michael? She's looking at you, Gavin Lux, if you're listening or watching this show. That's that's who she's talking about when she talks about these defensive blunders. Sorry, Gavin. And no, you're not wrong <laughs> when you say the Diamondbacks are not a very good baseball team, although they have been playing well as of late, almost 500 baseball by the time they entered this recent series with the Dodgers uh, at the arena, a four-game series in three days, I might add, uh, which was fun for me to cover. But um, the Dodgers <laughs> pitching staff right now, uh, and you only go as far as your pitching staff goes, it is as unpredictable as a game of rock, paper, scissors, Tracy. I never know if Walker Bueller or Julio Rios is going to go out there and, and pitch like they did in 2021 and have a quality start and shut down the opposing lineup uh, and allow their offense to kind of come alive and do what they do. Um, or, you know, are they going to give up five, six runs by the fourth or fifth inning and get pulled early and make this, you know, a deep game for the bullpen. So that's been where, um, you know, that's been, that's been where the Dodgers have been more frustrating than a fly in in the kitchen, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And 
the defensive lapses you talk about, like I said, more of those are Gavin Lux. Um, I guess you would say this is his junior season, I guess, if we're going to count his sophomore season of 2021, uh, even though you mm-hmm. could argue maybe uh, it's just his second season this year because he's been playing sporadically. He hasn't really had a chance to play every day like he's had this year. And there are some growing pains there. There are some bumps in the road. Those are some defensive lapses. And then if fans watched uh, that series finale with the Diamondbacks on Wednesday afternoon, he made a great play ranging to his left to, to get Walker Bueller out of a jam uh, early on in that game. So uh, to me, the home run ball has been something that uh, has also been you know, a little frustrating that we can talk about. The balls haven't been traveling as further this year. They've been deadened a little bit by Major League Baseball. And I think that mm-hmm. has played into some of these players' issues on offense. Uh, but defensively, you know, most of those errors and mistakes we've seen have come from Gavin Lux. Uh, obviously, Mookie Betts has made a couple recently, which is just uncharacteristic of him. I'm not sure why uh, those have occurred. I wouldn't look too much into those. Other than that, as far as Justin Turner's bad throws from third to first, which has always plagued him, uh, I haven't seen as many as many issues. And then when you play a team like the Diamondbacks, who has like three errors in one game and can't seem to get anything together defensively, uh, it makes you kind of see where the Dodgers are is probably above average or average as far as their uh, defense their defense is concerned. Whereas the Diamondbacks are probably you know at the bottom of that pond of minnows. So many metaphors in your descriptions. I just want to point out that I really like them. The fly in the kitchen one. I like the pond of minnows. I really like all your metaphors. All right. So there we are on defense. Uh, You know, I don't think it's something as a Dodgers fan that I'm super concerned about. I don't think it's something that's going to plague them throughout the rest of the season. I, you know, we're only a little over a month into the season. So I, I think that stuff kind of works itself out. I think the bigger issue is pitching, but actually before we even get there, let's talk a little bit about the Dodgers offense. A lot of these players are starting to get hot and you look at this lineup, which is obviously incredible. A lot of these guys hitting in the two hundreds, you know, three or four of them start hitting over 300 and they are going to be almost unbeatable. I had a theory before the season started that even if there were issues on the pitching staff, if you're scoring 12 runs a game, it's not going to really matter. However, that theory was a little bit debunked last weekend when the Dodgers were scoring many runs a game and it, and it did matter and they did lose games, but let's talk a little bit about offense. You know, I don't want to go too deep into this. Cause like I said, I think they're starting to get hot and a lot of the guys are going to get hotter. Um, we can talk a little bit of Cody, but um, what do you think? I mean, do you see them heating up? Do you think it's the short and spring training? And then let's talk about the baseballs that are not going outside of the park the way they were last season. I mean, yeah, that's going to be, it's baseball, right? So players are going to have slumps, then they're going to have surges, then they're going to have slumps again. Uh, You have the dog days of summer where you really have to really get yourself up and pound multiple energy drinks as far as these 20-year-old baseball players are concerned uh, to, to go out there and play the game, you know, game 102 in the middle of summer when it's hot out and stuff. So these are the things that they're going to have to deal with over the long marathon grind of a 162 game season. But to your point, uh, as far as what the players have told me, which is that we are not clicking on all cylinders yet, even though they have, what, 25 wins, second most uh, Mm -hmm. in all of baseball behind just the Yankees, I believe, especially as far as winning percentages concerned, not just total wins. Um, They, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman is is batting 
over 300, which in today's dead mm-hmm. and ball year of 2022 is just kind of unheard of. Trey Turner was the National League batting champion last year. He's only batting 280, but it seems like that, that should be higher because it seems like almost mm-hmm. every time we watch them, he's on base. But the Dodgers, if you look at what, like I told you, what the players said, it's true. Uh, Justin Turner struggled to start the season. It seems like he's finally getting hot. He hit a big three-run home run. His average uh, has now gone all the way up to above the Mendoza line at 203, when for so long it was below that line uh, for, for the start of the season. Max Muncie uh, has not been his true self. He's batting 167 right now. Uh, that is not characteristic of Max Muncie. Now, we don't expect him to be batting 300, but we certainly expect him to have more than just three home runs at this point in the year. Uh, this is a guy that's supposed to hit 35, you know, 34 to 35 home runs every year for you. Now, he, according to what the analytics say, is one of those players, as is Justin Turner, who's supposed to be affected by the dead and balls, whose home runs and launch angles, and if you apply the same uh, statistically, uh, the same formula to balls that would have gotten out previously uh, in previous years, they get affected by those. They would have less home runs uh, and more pop fly outs to the track than they would have had if they, you know, if this was the live ball era uh, of like 2017 to 2020, for example. So those players are going to get affected. I don't see them hitting as many home runs. Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, actually, before we get to Cody, before we get to Cody, I do want to talk a little bit about Max Muncy because 167 is certainly not high and he's coming off a pretty bad injury to end last season. So how concerned should Dodgers fans be about Max Muncy? Well, yeah, you know, he tore his, his UCL in that fluke play at the last regular season game, which is just maddening that that had to happen because I think if you have a healthy Max Muncy in the lineup, uh, you probably reach the World Series again, if I'm being honest. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think also having a healthy Clayton Kershaw would have helped them reach the World Series again as well. Uh, so those two things, I think, would have been factors in the fact that they lose in six games to the Braves in the National League Championship Series. Uh, but Max Muncy, I think, is a guy that, you know, is trying to figure out his swing again with that elbow injury uh, and trying to get back mm-hmm. to that and get his full form. And then also, like we just talked about, because of the balls, uh, his power stroke, which you know normally is there, there have been multiple times this year where I believe Max Muncy thought he had a home run, only to realize he just popped out to the outfield. Uh, and those balls may have gone out in later years, and they may still go out as the weather you know reaches 90 degrees in Southern California this summer. But I think he's having to rediscover his swing, and I think you're st- finally starting to see it in this last homestand where Max Muncy's starting to realize, okay, I can't have this kind of same launch angle swing where I'm trying to hit a home run every time, uh, but now I'm just trying to hit a single, uh, slap it to, to left to right field. He was working on bunts before the game with Dave Roberts uh, going into this series mm-hmm. with the Diamondbacks, and you saw him bunt to beat the shift to the left side. Uh, so those are little things that he can utilize as he starts to figure out you know these new balls as we said and then uh, try to find different ways to get on base and raise that average but I do not think you're going to see Max Muncy hit 35 home runs this year just like I don't think you're going to see Cody Bellinger hit 35 home runs this year Uh, so that's it but then you know like we talked about they're not firing all cylinders Mookie Betts uh, struggled to start the season he's now finally gotten hot uh, mm-hmm. He's hit eight home runs to far surpass anybody in the league. And it seems now like every game, the game starts with Mookie Betts getting on base and Freddie Freeman knocking him in or Trey Turner knocking him both in. So that's a good sign. But then 
to your point in that four-game series against the Phillies that they lost three of four and started the homestand uh, just ugly, uh, I think they scored something like, uh, I don't know, 25 runs in that entire series over a four-game span. That's over six runs a game on average that ordinarily should win you probably all four of those games. But the pitching staff imploded. And when the pitching staff uh, is that bad, you know, it, 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 it crushes me like like they crush bones to make oil over time. It's just not uh, applicable to what we are accustomed to from Walker Bueller, a, a Cy Young candidate last year, from Julio Rios, the 20-game winner last year, for those guys to go out and get shelled. So like I said, that has been what's what's been more annoying and frustrating than a fly in the kitchen as I reference that metaphor is that we have seen this inconsistency of the pitching staff and you're only going to go as far as your pitching goes. And I'm sure that's going to lead you into uh, a question you have about an article that was written recently by a certain uh, controversial uh, columnist here in Los Angeles. It was going to lead me into that, but you brought up Trey Turner. So I want to talk about him first really quickly, just because there was talk kind of maybe like being the season right before the season, about getting him signed to a long-term contract. I mean, you know, in the, the trade last year for Max Scherzer, honestly, probably the best, most important part of that trade ends up being Trey Turner because they mo- they knew they were most likely going to lose Corey Seager, which they did. And that was, you know, I, my opinion, at least as a Dodgers fan who pays pretty close attention to the team, felt like that was, you know, the insurance plan for that. Is there any talk, you hear anything about them getting him signed to a long-term deal? I mean, he seems pretty integral to this team yeah. just as you said he's knocking in runs he's got he's usually plays incredible defense yeah publicly to me Trey Turner is saying all the right things as far as he's uh, willing to listen to contract extension talks that he would love to stay with the Dodgers uh, and all that jazz the truth is what I've heard from my sources is Trey Turner does not want to be in Los Angeles long term uh, he's from Florida uh, he really enjoys being close to home during spring training. Uh, and so his preference would be to sign with an East Coast team, I'm told, uh, in the offseason. But at the end of the day, uh, he wants to test free agency. This would be the first time I believe that he's been a free agent. And so he wants to go out there and see what his worth and value is, just the same as Corey Seager did before him. So the Dodgers, I know, talked a little bit before the season about contract talks. Uh, and extensions, they got shut down very quick, and it's been radio silence ever since. So that tells me that even though Trey is saying the right things publicly, that behind the door, closed doors, he's saying that he doesn't want to do this until after the season. He definitely wants to be a free agent. At that time, he'll listen to what the Dodgers say, but I think he's hoping to get a bigger deal uh, from an East Coast team that would allow him to stay closer to Florida uh, and you know that kind of uh, part of the country where he feels more comfortable and is at home. Well, that makes me want to cry, but it's only May of 2022. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge and I can cry later when he signs with an East coast team and be sad, just like, yeah, I was. and they'll move Gavin Lux to short probably, or they'll make a trade or sign somebody, you know, plenty of moves the Dodgers can make when it comes to major league baseball. I'm going to use a game of Thrones metaphor. You right. The the Dodgers are like the Lannisters, right? They just keep getting richer. Uh, Whereas other teams, uh, especially in the West are like the Starks. They just keep getting killed off. Um, I really like that. I'm writing that down. Dodgers are like the Lannisters. Your metaphors are killing it today. 
See what happens when you wake up early. I just, you're, I just said I'll try not to suck. So I'm doing my best. Well, you're, but, you know, you're on all cylinders, unlike the Dodgers. All right, let's talk pitching. I'm like, uh, <laughs> We're gonna I'm talk. like Colonel Sanders' original recipe. I'm extra crispy. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, we're going to talk some pitching. So you brought up this article uh, that Bill Plaschke wrote in the LA Times the other day that the Dodgers are essentially paying for the curse of Trevor Bauer, that because of all the uncertainty, they really weren't able to go out and, and shore up the pitching staff in the way they may have wanted to in this offseason. I really don't know that I agreed with this article, uh, that, that, that that affected what they did in free agency, but would love to hear your thoughts on that. Obviously, I'm not a Trevor Bauer fan, and I'm uh, think that was a very unfortunate signing and a signing of hubris. And there were all things, kinds of things that went wrong with it, but I don't know that they're still paying the price for it, but I would love to hear your thoughts as someone who's there every day. Well, from the point that he made that the Dodgers are still paying the price for that move, that's of course that is. Um, and you know, I'm one of the people who actually thought the signing was a good idea at the time um, mm-hmm. saying, okay, this guy's coming off of a Cy Young award season Yes, he is a polarizing, controversial figure. Uh, I do not condone any of his bullying online and his horrible political takes and uh, his kind of arrogance and uh, his vlogs. And I don't I don't condone any of that. And, uh, you know, if Trevor Bauer had wanted a 10 year, 250 million deal like, you know, in the Garrett Cole range or what Max Scherzer just got with the Mets or he wanted a long term deal that was, was going to handcuff the Dodgers, I would have said no. Like, no. Mm-hmm. But when you have a reigning Cy Young Award winner who's from Los Angeles, who wants to come home and play for the Dodgers, who's literally wearing Dodgers hats in public and, you know, helping the fans recruit him on YouTube. And then on top of it, he's willing to take a short term deal with options, mm-hmm. even though they were his options. And that's what's more hurting the Dodgers. But with options mm-hmm. on that deal uh, and gamble on himself, essentially, which that was a bad gamble on his part. Um, then I would say that's a no brainer. And in hindsight, no, you, I wish you would have gone to the Mets because this now problem would have been the Mets problem. But the good news is, is because that he was willing to gamble on himself and sign a short term deal with options that the Dodgers are going to be able to get out of this sooner rather than later. And after the MLB Mm -hmm. suspension finally came down, uh, we now have a little bit of more insight to when that's going to be. And uh, they do now do have some some money to shore up. So there's a couple points I want to make in that 
that Bill Plasky article. First of all, him him comparing the curse of Trevor Bauer to like wallpaper in the in the room, right? That it's everywhere around you. Uh, I don't think is accurate. I don't think that's how the players feel about it. Out of sight, out of mm-hmm. mind. I don't even think he's at the forefront of everything. Now, the LA Times also wrote an article a couple of weeks ago saying that Bauer was going to randomly show up for a Sunday day game uh, because he didn't want to serve another um, you know, week of administrative leave where he was paid, but they just keep kicking the can down the road. Well, thankfully, Major League Baseball finally came out and levied this two-year suspension that Trevor Bauer is appealing. And look, uh, yes, I'm aware that his uh, appeal hearing begins at the end of May, at the end of this month. But what I'm told from my sources is that they're going to do a few hours a day every month or so until this thing gets wrapped up. And knowing Trevor Bauer's legal team and how much work he's been probably spending on this, I think this thing's going to go months and at least till the end of the season. So I think the Dodgers know that they're not going to be on the hook for the remainder of his salary this year. Uh, the question will be if Trevor Bauer opts into the final year of his contract, will the Dodgers be on the hook for you know the 30-some-odd million in the final year of that deal? And I believe that at that point they would just cut him and cut bait if, if again, this is a big if, if an independent arbitrator uh, decides to either completely relinquish the suspension at all or shorten it to one year, which I believe is probably more than likely going to happen. So uh, that's kind of what I felt about that. But but the two points that, that I wanted to point out that Bill Plaschke made in that article, one, he was talking, uh, so what, what do you do if you're the Dodgers? First of all, it's not the Dodgers' fault that Major League Baseball spent so much time on this investigation. I think we're now finding out why. Because mm-hmm. a third accuser uh, came out in the Washington Post uh, who had a very, very similar story to the San Diego mm-hmm. accuser that originally got the, all this started uh, in June 30th of last year. And then also the second accuser that was in Ohio. So now there's a third accuser in Ohio. So I think we're starting to see that Major League Baseball was able to find other victims of Trevor Bauer uh, who all have similar stories. So we can see a pattern of behavior which allowed MLB to levy the longest uh, and largest suspension without even being able to, to come to an agreement with Trevor as far as time served is concerned that they've ever had under this domestic violence uh, restraining order, uh, excuse me, domestic violence policy they have with the MLB Players Association. So uh, I think we're finding out that there may be more accusers than just three, uh, and, and that's why mm-hmm. Major League Baseball took so long. But it's not the Dodgers' fault that they took so long and that they didn't have any clarity on this situation during the offseason when maybe they could have gone out uh, and signed somebody else had they known this was going to be a two-year suspension. Uh, but to Bill Plaschke's point, what would you have liked them to do in free agency when – you had no clarity on this situation. You had no idea if Trevor Bauer's money was going to be on the books or not. You go out there and you sign Freddie Freeman, uh, an MVP mm-hmm. who arguably, in my opinion, was the best position player free agent possibly on the market outside of Corey Seager, who I already told you was mm-hmm. going to walk anyways. But that's a story for another day. Uh, you did tell me that and I didn't want to believe you. And then it happened and I was sad and you said I told you so. You weren't particularly empathetic. I, I but like to pat myself know. on the back in those situations. But yeah, I knew that was that was not. I knew he was not Facts. coming back. There was no way he was coming back. But my point is, is that mm-hmm. on the free agent starting pitching market, arguably one of the top five available arms was Clayton Kershaw. And you did re-sign him and bring him back. And you did try to re-sign Max Scherzer and bring Max Scherzer back. But the money he got from New York 
who's, I wouldn't match that deal either. I wouldn't pay him that kind no, of money for either. three years. So that leaves Carlos Rodon, who, you know, wasn't, had came off one good season. I don't know if that's a, a deal the Dodgers like, but yeah, I think the Giants got some good value on that deal, especially now, but he got shelled a couple days ago. And then Kevin Gossman, mm-hmm. who I think was also a Cy Young winner, um, who, who went and, and signed a deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. So, and, or sorry, Robbie Ray was the Cy Young winner last year, and he went to Seattle. So there wasn't great, great top-end starting pitching on the market that when you don't have any clarity on this Bauer situation, you go out and get. So what the Dodgers decided to do is something that they do often instead, uh, which is let's kind of like piece it together with some projects that may, mm-hmm. maybe one of them hits pay dirt. Maybe one of them becomes gold. Uh, and that's what they did by signing Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney and, uh, and these guys and adding depth. And I will say one thing. To me, on the Dodgers staff, their best pitcher right now is Tony Gonsolin. Uh, yes, especially yes. as far as consistency is concerned this year. So you, if you look at the Dodgers team ERA, which up until that series was uh, a lot better than it was, then, you know, Tony Gonsolin is leading the staff as far as uh, team ERA or as far as individual ERA. He's got a 1.564 ERA right now. That's better than Walker Bueller. That's better than Clayton Kershaw, even, who only has a 1.80 ERA. And I know he's injured again. Um, and we all kind of expected that to happen with Kershaw. But right now, to me, Tony Gonsolin has been the, the shoring up this rotation uh, and has been a big boost. And I think we all expected Andrew Haney and Clayton Kershaw to be potentially injury prone, so I'm not surprised there. But to Bill Plasky's point that this is some kind of curse of Trevor Bauer, no. I think the Dodgers know they won't have to pay him this year. So I definitely expect, you know, as, as inevitable as a dog that barks at the, at the cat as it goes by the window, that they will go out and get starting pitching at the trade deadline. And hopefully there will be more available arms and better arms. I'm looking at you, Luis Castillo in Cincinnati, uh, or perhaps uh, maybe a Zach Granke in Kansas City if they want to get out of that deal. Though. Oh, reunited and it feels so good. There's definitely going to be some guys out there at the <laughs> deadline um, that they might be able to get. You know, Patrick Corbin from the Nationals might be available at the deadline this year if the Nationals keep reeling. I doubt Strasburg, but, you know, those are going to be guys. And and he also wrote about the Padres going and getting Sean Manaya. Well, the Dodgers were interested in Sean Manaya. I think they had wished they had gotten more clarity on Trevor Bauer sooner. They didn't. The Padres jumped on it, and good for them. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think the Dodgers will be just fine, and I think now they finally got this clarity during the season they will go out and get a frontline starting pitcher at the deadline. And I'm also going to go ahead and say a couple things um, that I think will make a good positive, a continued positive spin on this. You got Dusty May coming back probably in the next month or so. So from Tommy no, John surgery, so we'll see how hope. he's recovered. Well, well, they, like in the next w- did three I, did months, I not say maybe. One of, Positive spin, positive spin. I'm trying to put a positive in. But if you, in think, theory, if you think Dustin May is coming back in the next month, that's overly positive. Way, way, okay, way overly back. positive. You'll he's be coming back. You'll be waiting like your eyes on a phone that never rings if you expect Dustin May to come back in the next month. Uh, if, if you are lucky, if you are lucky, you'll see Dustin <laughs> May end of August, September. If you are lucky. Well, good timing. And then again, you have a guy coming off Tommy John surgery. I've had guys all come off of this injury before and tell me, especially when you're coming off fresh, like, okay, it's 
the doctors have cleared you to start in a game and pitch, go. They don't have a feel mm -hmm. for the baseball. It takes a long time to really get that feel back and what it was like. And keep in mind, Dustin May tore his UCL in his throwing, his right throwing uh, elbow during the sticky stuff era. I don't know. I'm not accusing him of using it or not, but it was everybody was using it at the time and now everybody can't use it. So I have no idea how that's going to affect him. But there's going to be lots of different things when he comes back that he just simply wasn't able to do uh, before that wasn't allowed by the rules to do before and has changed. And so uh, even if he can come back and pitch again, I'm just telling you, temper your expectations uh, and hopefully he can be an addition to the rotation. But honestly, I don't expect him to really fully contribute and be close to where he was prior to the surgery until 2023. Well, thanks a lot for that. But um, fine, I'll, I'll take that. Then I'm going to try some other, maybe these aren't positive spins. These are just things to keep in mind. You have Kershaw and Haney both injured. You have Blake Trinan, who's obviously not a starting pitcher, but he's obviously an incredible part of that bullpen, an important part of that bullpen. He's injured, so you know when he comes back, and then, of course, as you said at the trade deadline, they will for sure get a pitcher. You know what you've totally done, though, is you've gotten my hopes up for Zach Greinke and a reunion. Like That's just completely what you've done here. So just FYI, when I'm sad that he doesn't sign with the Dodgers, just remember whose fault that is because I hadn't even thought about it. So this one's on you. So just remember that when I text you and I'm sad, just remember. Uh, and there was something else. Is, okay, so then this is my last pitching question because we have talked a little about Walker Wheeler and Julio Urias, and they certainly have not – they've not been terrible, but they have not been maybe what we're used to. I've asked you this personally, so now I'm asking you this on the podcast. Should we be worried? Yeah, and you know what my answer is when always you say worry. You worry too much. Uh, is my well, I'm a fan. Is my answer like you that. cover this team, and I'm a fan, and, so that's my and job. You ride it like a roller coaster at Magic Mountain. You ride every I emotional do. wave that there is. Where I try I to do. stay a little more even kill and realize this is baseball. There's going to be ebbs and flows, and ups and downs, and hot streaks and cold streaks, and that's just. Uh, the name of the game. No, I would not be worried about Walker Bueller or Julio Rios unless uh, they start saying, you know, they felt something tear or pull in their elbow. Oh, uh, yeah. Other, otherwise, or something in the shoulder, so shoulder injuries. Um, as long as they're healthy, you know, you're going to go through these ups and downs of a season. Look, tip your cap to the Philadelphia Phillies, who the Dodgers, I, I tweeted this out, uh, during, I think, the last game when they were losing and they were down to their last strike when Gavin Lux actually made up for his uh, error that cost them possibly the game, giving up four runs mm -hmm. to poor Ryan Pepio. And I'm sorry, but uh, did you find that anywhere in Bill Plaschke's article? Was anywhere, no. and he wrote it that day, okay, after watching yes. that game, right? He's blaming the curse of Trevor Bauer on, on Gavin mm -hmm. Lux having, you know, the, the sophomore blues and having the yips right. a little bit defensively, which he's been going on all year, which has been going on for multiple years. Uh, Gavin Lux makes a very routine play. The Dodgers have an inning and Ryan Pepio does not give up four runs. Unfortunately, it didn't mm -hmm. go like that. Uh, Justin Turner had a mistake against the Phillies that turned into a three run home run. I think for Julio Rios, the start before. So yeah, if your defense mm -hmm. was better around you, these things don't happen. I don't think the ghost of Trevor Bauer is, you know, running around the field like angels in the outfield making guys make errors and mistakes like that so you know look at Gavin Lux uh, as far as he needs to play better defensively 
Uh, and Justin Turner needs to play better defensively instead of pointing and Mookie Betts too, in that matter, instead of pointing the finger at uh, a pitcher that's not, not even there anymore. And is going to be caught up in court and legal battles uh, for the next year plus. But I digress. Uh, I would not be worried about them. Tip your cap to the Phillies offense. They have a great, great lineup. Here's something that people don't think about. Bryce Harper has an arm injury. He is not able to pick up and throw a ball for six weeks. He just got a cortisone injection from Dr. Neil Elitrosh here in Los Angeles. That's why he didn't play in that game Sunday, the only game the Dodgers won, I might add. But Mm -hmm. because they changed the rules in the offseason, because now there's a universal DH, because for some reason nobody loved the chess match small ball strategy of of the National League, which I always loved, and having to do double switches, and when you want to take your pitcher out for a pinch hitter in a game, it changed the dynamic of the game. Now that that's gone, Bryce Harper was able to remain in the lineup for all three of those games Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, or sorry, here in Los Angeles against Philadelphia, and... And in any other circumstances, when he can't play in the field, he would have not been in the lineup. He maybe would have pitched mm-hmm. a pinch hit here or there, or he'd be on the injured list so they could get somebody else who could play the field and hit. Well, guess what? Now you have universal DH, so Bryce Harper was able to DH all three games and absolutely kill you, absolutely destroy you. Uh, so tip your cap to Bryce Harper. He is a two-time MVP for a reason. He's one of the greatest players on the planet for a reason. And thanks to the rules changing, you allowed him to pick up a bat and play when he can't even throw a ball. So that's one of those things. Also, they just have a really, really good deep lineup uh, with Gene Segura and JT Real Muto. And they signed Nick Castellanos, a guy the Dodgers love. So this offense is really, really good. Um, and it's early in the season enough that the pitchers were just like, okay, here we go, ho-hum, and they got crushed. When, you know, you can ho-hum maybe against the Diamondbacks, you can ho-hum maybe against the Pirates or the Cubs, but you can't ho-hum against an offense like the Phillies. And uh, similar to the power of holding a grenade in your hand when you pull the pin, that's kind of what happened to them in that Phillies series. And as I was joking Going back to what I said previously, I tweeted out, you know, when they were losing down to their last strike with Gavin Lux up on that fourth and final game that, uh, you know, it's a good thing they don't have to play the Phillies anymore on the bright side. Checks the schedule. Oh, shit. They they have them again. So they'll be starting to play them again, this time in Philly where the ball travels further, where it's a smaller park, where I think you're going to see the Phillies offense explode again. Even if you see some hiccups with his pitching staff this weekend, uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know, it's okay. All that matters is the playoffs. All that matters is all these pitchers that you mentioned that are currently injured or struggling are healthy for the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now, to me, that Dodgers pitching staff is – as thin as a three-month-old bar of soap. And when you're bringing up guys from double-A to make their major league debuts, to me that's not a great sign, even though I love to see it from Michael Grove and Ryan Pepio. Um, but these guys need a little more seasoning, right? They're like uh, they're like a chicken that, that needs to go in the oven. They need a little more seasoning before you eat it and taste it. So I would hope that those guys can stay down in the minors longer and we can get guys like Andrew Heaney back who threw a bullpen session the other day and he's expected to come back soon. And and so I wouldn't worry. I would not let Dodger fans worry. They are going to be just fine. Uh, only worry if it looks like you're not going to have these guys available when it matters the most. And that's in the postseason. Once again, God forbid. And also I'm going to start calling you metaphor, Michael. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, 
superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. We've hit my favorite part of the podcast, but hold on. I'm going to get something for everybody watching on YouTube. I thought we were going to talk about the Niners. I was all prepping for the Niners. Oh, no. We're, this is, we're talking Dodgers. Um, I brought Cody Bellinger bobblehead out for Cody Corner for those oh, watching on YouTube. I thought Cody Corner was Cody House, one of the Dodgers' top prospects in the minor leagues. No, no, no. No, no, no. You, first of all, you knew better than that because you've met me, and so you definitely knew better than that. Uh, Cody Corner is Cody Bellinger. I'm putting the bobblehead down now. But uh, it is Cody Corner time. One of my favorite parts of the podcast. Our good friend Cody is back over 200. You know, he was the NL player of the week like a month ago, and then things went really downhill for him fast. I actually am starting to think maybe awards aren't a good idea for Cody because he was the MVP in 2019 and things started to go downhill. Then he was the NL player of the week. and So maybe I'm just like throwing out there maybe – like a little bit of a kibosh on the awards for the time being. That being said, he had two hits on Wednesday, including a double, and he scored a run. I voted for him in the Dodgers poll of player of the game. I was one of very few who did, judging by the numbers, but I did vote for him for player of the game. So here's my question about Cody. We all know how much I love Cody Bellinger, but like in all seriousness, he's like so hot or he is so cold, and is that just going to be the rest of his career, or is this just like him getting back into the swing of being 2019 Cody Bellinger. Well, I thought when you said no pun he's so hot, I, said I thought the next thing out of your mouth would be like, you know, or he's so high and not looking so hot. But um, no, he always looks hot. I no, you're right. At the plate, he's either hot like the prodigal <laughs> son or as cold as a knife before it, uh, you know, cuts up the, the, the fruit for a meal. Um, so. He Thank has, you, he right has been, he has been <laughs> up and down. He will continue to be up and down. I like your theory that we should just never give any, never give Cody his flowers. Don't ever pat him on the back. Don't give him any awards or accolades. In fact, we should just keep like shunning him and, and telling him we should be sent no, down no, to the minor leagues. Yes, but, but I don't think I said that. But Did in I spring that? training, he was like over 23 with 15 strikeouts at one point. And so my point yes, is, yeah. like, if we're doing that, talking about starting the season with him in the minor leagues and AAA, and then he comes out hot to start the season, then maybe we should be always saying, Cody, you need to go down to AAA. Cody, you shouldn't be in the lineup. Cody, you should be benched, because that seems to motivate him more than giving him NL Player of the Week, because then he falls off the cliff uh, precipitously. Mm-hmm. But look... Um, when it comes to Cody Bellinger, you know, I miss to quote Kendrick Lamar. I miss the days when his left stroke went viral and he would have two, three home runs in a game and just absolutely crush balls. Those days are gone. Those days are gone because the balls do not travel as far. In fact, Cody Bellinger, when he came up in 2017 and went on this home run tear, he was just crushing the ball uh, in his first couple months in the major leagues. And I talked to him and he's like, Michael, these baseballs 
are totally different than they are in the minor leagues. And he's like, maybe it's the stadiums, but these balls are traveling so much further in the major leagues. And we have some stadiums that are just smaller than minor league stadiums. So this is why I'm getting all these home runs. He even knew it at the time. Well, now you've changed the balls. Some of these stadiums have lengthened the outfield fence, pushed it back further like Petco Park did in some other places. So uh, I do not see Cody Bellinger having a 40 home run season uh, maybe ever again, unless they change the balls. Uh, so what Cody is also learning is now he can't try. And Cody is actually a guy that maybe has had more swings that you think would be home runs that died at the Correct. track this year than any other player on the team. Gavin Lux had a couple. Chris Taylor's had a couple. But Cody, to me, is the guy that I look at and go, I hear the sound off the bat. I go, oh, he got all of that one. And it's a pop fly to the track in center field. And I think yeah. he's one of those guys also, like we talked about with Max Muncy and Justin Turner, that's having to kind of learn that I just got to get a base hit, hit a line drive somewhere, hit it hard. And that's why you're now seeing Cody, you know, have two hit games and have multi-hit games rather than, you know, trying to hit a home run every time. Because I think these guys are starting to realize that in this new dead ball era, it's just not going to happen. So... That's what I would say about Cody, but I would cons- I would say Cody's going to continue to be uh, very inconsistent. Like I said, as unpredictable as a game of rock, paper, scissors, that'll be Cody the rest of the year. Well, let me tell you who's not going to shun Cody. A couple things, first of all, to unpack. When you told that story about he said, Michael, I was just super jealous that he like knows you by name. It's just very cool. Um, it is really funny that like I cover the 49ers and I don't have this feeling about any of them, obviously, because I'm a beat reporter that covers the team. But when it comes to Dodgers... I know when it comes to Cody, I definitely feel this way. Uh, but I think Cody also was working with Max Muncy on the bunting the other day. So that, you know, big thing. But I think what you said is true. They're going to have to relearn a few things. And I don't really need Cody Bellinger to hit 40 home runs. But I mean, I'd love if he hit like, 250. You have George Kittle wishing you happy birthday on social media. That's much cooler than Cody knowing my name. I'm sure Cody knows your name as the girl that's always, like, uh, crushing on him. So. That would be such an honor if he knew my name. He's like, that's the girl that does Cody Corner. Um, Cody's mom knows my name. There you go. She knows about Cody Corner. So there's that. Um, All right. Well, that was a really good, productive Cody Corner. I'm really good that we talked about that. And we kept it relatively positive. Cody Corner tends to be a very positive place. Um, So, and if you sit near me at a Dodger game or if you're at a Dodger game and you hear a voice when Cody doesn't swing at a bad pitch, yell out, good eye, Cody, good eye. That was probably me. Um, so that's that's where we are in this. But, Michael, this is fun. I love talking Dodgers with you. I love all your metaphors. This was just great. I mean, I have nothing but positive things to say. You get my NL player of the week, NL reporter of the week. Oh, thank you. I'm glad I didn't suck, though. You, know, you did not. I'm much more harsher on myself it. than anything else. But um, And I appreciate you getting up so early. Thank you. Podcast. Thank you. In Hawaii time, it's just brutal over here. Um, it is. It is brutal, even though he's not in Hawaii. Um, you guys make sure to follow Michael. Michael, tell everybody where they can follow you. Follow me on all social media at Michael J Duarte. Tracy, this is a great question. I feel like I need to have a TikTok, but I feel like my TikTok needs to like be something specific. Like I mm. like I go out and do fun stuff with players, not like I go out and pretend to do dances or something bullshit or like. I don't know what these people do where they dub like over like like you do all the time on your TikToks where you just dub, yes, dub over film quotes huh? or something like I don't want to do that crap. Yeah. No offense. I don't want to. Um, I would prefer to do something like cool and unique that nobody's doing. 
And that would be the only way I'd open a TikTok. Sorry, I digressed. We went off on a tangent. I'm into Took it, though. I like this idea. Turn here, but yeah, uh, Michael J. Duarte on all social media and hopefully on TikTok soon. If someone can help me come up with an idea, that would be good and marketable. Uh, you can read all my stuff at NBCLosAngeles.com. You can hear me on the radio everywhere and you can turn on your TV. Sometimes I'll be on Channel 4 if I'm not in the doghouse. So there you go. Well, thank you for joining me, you guys. We are brought to you by Bet Online. If you liked what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And if you have ideas for Michael's TikTok, tweet at him and let him know. Talk to you later. Bye. And Niners fans, go tell the Niners to go re-sign Debo and get rid of Jimmy. Enough's enough. Peace out. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.